This is Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. Welcome to episode 15 of Epic Ordinary Lives. I started this podcast because I love sitting down with people and digging into how they live, how they get through challenges, what their most beautiful moments are. You know, a few episodes back, I talked to Aaron Carson, which was actually the first episode I ever recorded. And hearing his adventures on the Appalachian Trail, hearing about coming off of a really cold, snowy night into a warm kitchen where he was cutting up vegetables. These are the, you know, I guess when we were kids, it could have been bedtime stories. Now maybe it's when we watch Marvel movies. These are, but I think they're coolest stories like this, heroes' journeys like this, when they are told in person from real people. When you dig deep into a conversation with someone and find out that they've done incredible things, like Nancy Broden, the creator of the Artful Donut, who traveled, quit her job and traveled in Europe for weeks. You know, I had no idea that she had done that going into that conversation. So Epic Ordinary Lives is about stories, about digging into ordinary lives to find those epic moments. And I think we all have them. This week is another solo cast, honestly, because life is an extremely, uh, for me at least, is a, it's at an extremely busy chapter right now. I am fresh into a new job, and I'm also preparing to move. Therefore, the um, collaborating with guests to to make sure that we record uh, the little videos that I like to use to promo the episodes. There's different tasks that have not easily been done, so I wanted to use this as an opportunity to talk about one of the things that I love and the reason why I love it and the reason why I think it's useful to other people. And that's hiking. Now, you need not look far to find the love of hiking. Instagram or photos or landscapes or there are many channels which represent the beauty of being outside. And it's very popular right now to display that. But it's always been popular. And why why is it so powerful to go into the woods and and really essentially when you plan to hike you're planning to 
you're putting on your schedule on your calendar. I'm going to walk around for three to four hours. So simple. And and that really brings me to one of the the first reasons I love it, and that's because most people have some version of this they can do. Many people can walk, and even if you can't walk, if you're in a wheelchair, the, the ability to be outside holds many of the same joys as hiking. It's it's the air on your face. It's it's being with other people. And hiking can have a million reasons why it's useful and powerful and helpful. But I think one of the the reasons for me in my own life that hiking has been so deeply powerful is the social component. In life, especially now, one of the things that scares me the most about societal changes that are taking place are how easy it is to curate conversations, to remove awkward moments because we all have cell phones. There is no space if you are in a place of waiting. You don't. There's no required space. You don't have to sit in a place of space. And what I mean by that is doing nothing. Because there's always the ability to do something. My fear with cell phones is that some of the the most amazing moments in friendships or romantic relationships or parental relationships are created through waiting through some section of awkwardness. Or maybe multiple sections of awkwardness. You know, the, the opening of many friendships are people testing the waters of, of, obviously, of dating. It's the same thing. And if there, if we have ways of, of not having to swim in that ocean of discomfort, then, I don't know, do we, do we miss out? So, one of the reasons why hiking is so powerful is that we are with people for an extended period of time. We are walking, which means we are, we're, we're doing more than just sitting in front of someone at dinner, which is equally beautiful. In fact, I would say a combination for a great day is to go on a long hiking day and then have meal, a, a meal with friends. That's a great combination and a great relaxing aftermath, a, a well-deserved aftermath. I love how the notion of being spent comes up on this podcast a lot. A a well-spent life, a well-spent day is someone who really really just soaked it up. You know, carpe diem, seize the day. So hiking has stages to it. If you're hiking with another person, it's almost as though the moving through the woods, moving on the path, moving next to the water, wherever you are, it's like a narrative. It's like a story. And often the opening aspects of walking with someone are going to be the most uh, normal day-to-day topics. 
We're going to find out, especially if we're catching up with a friend we haven't seen in a while, we're going to find out how they've been doing. What are the most current things in their life? You know, we ask these questions. What's, what's going on with you? How have, how have you been? And the answers that are offered at the beginning of a hike are the most off-the-shelf answers that we give. We reach for the, the most agreed-upon topics, perhaps. In not all cases, but I'm just speaking from my own experience. We talk about work. We talk about our significant other. We talk about the, the things that we expect people want to talk about when they ask, how have you been doing? Meanwhile, we're passing often beautiful things. You know, at least here in the state of Tennessee, you can drive, what is it Josh Gibson said? I mean, it's it's a staggering, in, in wherever you're standing in the state, you can find something within driving distance. And driving distance being defined in a, in, in a most doable manner. So it, it's important, I guess, in a hike to not just turn it into a conversation. And I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying to not be present to the, the beauty of a hike. In fact, there's great value in not talking at all. But what I've found about the conversations with friends, with significant others on a hike, is that it gets deeper. And it also gets sillier. It goes through the full spectrum of human interaction. You know, you're walking and you're moving and, and there's a little bit of struggle because hiking can be hard, especially if there's elevation. And, and that's part of what makes it so beautiful. When human beings go through something together, even something like a three-hour hike, it, it loosens the boundaries between people. I think, you know, we sweat, we climb up hills, we overcome things. Suddenly the conversation starts entering deeper territory or maybe it enters silly territory first. You know, I was hiking a couple weeks ago with, with one of my best friends who will be an upcoming guest on this podcast. And and it, it, it covered everything. It covered the very normal, how have things been going, to absolutely ridiculous, silly, being in the woods jokes, to very deep topics. And that's, that's also the beauty of spending that amount of time with a group of people or with, a, with another person. That's, and that's what I would say, this, what, what makes this different than... A dinner or a breakfast is the physical component, which loosens the, the boundaries, which lowers, lowers the divides between people, and it's also the length of it. So pretty soon into a hike, I, I really do believe that the, the actual act of working, of moving, makes it easier to talk. And the fact that you're with someone for a while means there can be that space we were talking about earlier that cell phones do not allow for as much. There can be those pauses which allow people to reset. Or if you're talking about something heavy, you know, it can allow them to take steps 
away from that for a second. Again, it's the value of both moving and having space at the same time. The space to be quiet. The space to look at all the, the beautiful things of overlooks, of cold water to, to be to be swum in, swum, swam in. I've struggled with that one forever. And then after a large portion of hiking, especially if hiking lasts a whole day, you know, you often do have meals with whoever you're hiking with. And that can be beautiful because food tastes better after hiking. And, And hiking is one of the most reachable exercise challenges. <laughs> I mean, it's the one of the most doable ones. No matter what level of fitness one is in, they can do a little hike. They can, they can do something, some version of this. And there's a point where I found that even the hike can be, there can be a part where you get more comfortable with the length of it, more comfortable with the space with the divides of conversation, with the quiet moments. So that when you're done, when when you've climbed the hill, and especially if there's a component of like a, a very challenging hike, like in Tennessee, in middle Tennessee, I would highly recommend the fiery gizzard. Go on the fiery gizzard with a friend and you will become better friends. Because you go through the opening pleasantries and then an hour in, it, it's pretty hard. And it actually ends, depending on which section you, you attack it, and it, it actually ends very hard. Very high incline. And it used to be that you were essentially crawling on your, your like hands and like four-legged animal style. Because it was just so steep. And it creates... Such a high, such an exuberance when you get to the top of of this hill, mountain, you're breathing hard, and and what, what ends up happening is gratitude. I think automatic gratitude. People talk about gratitude a lot. And I do believe it's it's incredibly powerful. You know, people say to keep a gratitude journal. I agree. I agree that when you look at what you have and and look at it from the perspective of what the value really is of something that you have, then it instantly looks better and is better. Not because something changed other than, I guess, the lens to which you were looking at it. And yet, gratitude journals, I, I will not lie, have sometimes made me, I, just, I don't need to do a gratitude journal. I'd I can do that right. I don't need to I don't need to create a ritual around being thankful. And I think I'm wrong probably. But I've rolled my eyes before at that. And and I I don't like that, but I have, but climbing up a really steep hill, it creates gratitude without me trying to make a ritual out of it. Getting to the top of a really steep incline, there is gratitude when you're done with that. There's gratitude to have full breaths of air back in your lungs. And there is incredible gratitude after a a very serious hike getting to drink just water. Water tastes so good when you're really thirsty. It's amazing. 
it's amazing how good it can feel, especially in, and here we're covering the kind of the, the hero's journey that a hike creates. So the opening pleasantries occur, you know, maybe more of the shallow conversation, and then it gets deeper just as the hike gets harder. And we begin doing the, the mental gymnastics in our head going, I still have a whole nother hour of this before I'm even heading downhill. Or, and, and then, then maybe there's the really hard part where we're not talking anymore on a hike because we're climbing. You know, it's the hard ending of a hike that certain hikes have. And then you get to the top and there is this real sense of exuberance that built-in gratitude, and that loosens the conversation up even further. Because again, I think human beings do well when they have to get through things together. That's what makes a, a good marriage such a powerful practice. You know, somebody in your corner where you've agreed with all the myriad of personality waves that that any individual human being goes through all the emotions and changes and work stresses and day-to-day grind and all of it bills but to say that you're going to stand toe-to-toe with somebody you know you, you get through things together or the same can be said for a great friend or a great group of friends you know there's a consistency there And I think a hike, when combined with those other areas that I was talking about of relationships, it it strengthens all of it. Of course, you're getting your body stronger, more adapted to moving, breathing, but you're also getting more adapted to who you're with. And and you really do have to get through it together because you're not next to the car and the car is really far away. So then when the hardest part of a hike is through, then it's really the, like in literary um, terms, it's a denouement. You know, it's the, the gradual decline as you come down off the mountain or whatever it is. The hardest aspect of the hike is done and... You're walking to the car, and it, it seems like now with the with the hardest part done, you know, perhaps that's the climax of the story. Then you're 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 going down the mountain. You're finishing up the hike, and it seems that there's a real sense of optimism because you've gotten through the hard stuff. You've gotten through the most challenging aspects of the hike, and you've also probably had some really deep conversations. One of my best friends, Logan Cook, and I used to go on, by the way, shout out to Logan Cook if you're listening. There was a period of time where he and I went on a hike every weekend for, because there's so, it's such free, wonderful fun. I mean, you know, you got to pay for the gas to get out there. You got to buy good enough gear where you're not in trouble. But once you have those investments, there's just a playground waiting to be found wherever you are. I would imagine even in an urban setting, there are a myriad of gems or even in a small town, you know, there's something to be found that is adventure. Maybe you have to make it. Maybe you have to really stretch to find it, but it's always cool to find those, those hidden gems, you know, in video games, they call them Easter eggs. 
those those little secret hidden details that the the creators of the video game left for you to find. I think those are in cities, towns, small towns. I, f- I feel like they're everywhere. And that kind of a mentality of looking for gems can be a real optimistic one that I guess has us looking for what is there rather than what's not. So Logan and I, though, we used to go on these hikes and we would have these great philosophical conversations because it, they were, they, they had, you know, if a conversation is like a seed that you're planting and a hurried environment is, is earth that is scorched and burnt, you try to put a plant a seed in that and it, it's, it's going to be really hard to grow. You know, you're still gardening, but does it feel like you have a green thumb? You know, probably not. Hopefully this metaphor makes sense. But when you hike, you're, you're giving a conversation a lot of room to breathe. And in this metaphor of growing, a lot of room to grow. And some of the most amazing, deep life, the universe, and everything conversations can be had in that space. If, if, if there is space, again, to have silence in between it. And that leads to the final act of a great hike. And that's when everybody involved is happy because they're retracing their steps if, you know, if it's a loop or if it's a there and back. Or they know that they're getting closer to the car. And there's a real celebration that I think is, is almost primal because it's going back to, again, getting things done in life that are not Excel spreadsheets, they're, they're actual tangible benefits. I'm going to be back in an air-conditioned car, and I'm going to be okay, too, because going for a hike holds a, a an element of risk, perhaps small, but that also adds the beauty of it. When you, when you do return to your car, and I do remember a hike where we literally made it back to the car right as darkness unfolded. It was winter time, and it had taken longer than we thought it would, and it had started to rain, and and uh, <laughs> and it was getting scary, and we made it. And that's a beautiful place to make it back to the car. There, the gratitude comes back again, the built-in gratitude that maybe we don't have riding in the car with us when we got there. You know, we're not aware of the gratitude of water and air and breathing when we're not out of breath and thirsty. And and then after we make it back to the car with the optimistic mood of the hikers, then there is the food. I talked to a friend at work recently who had just finished running a marathon his first marathon. And I said, what did you eat after you were done? And I I would, as a side note, I I think whatever anybody eats after a hard physical activity, be it a marathon, a hike, walk with friends, whatever it is, whatever the, the myriad of availabilities of what that means for your life. I think that's a cool representation of someone, someone's specific life, like a map a map of them. But whatever you eat after that, having hiked for a long time, 
having gotten thirsty and having having exerted life, that food tastes good. Your legs might be a little sore, and that's why it's great to sit down. It can be really fun to sit down outside at this point. In fact, I remember a day working in the yard in, in on, on property, doing weed eating and brush cutting with two friends, Logan again and uh, and Colton Carroll, who will both of which are upcoming guests on this podcast. But we we did physical labor outside, which is a good corollary of hiking. There was a lot of hiking too. And then we were sitting outside on a patio and eating. And that was a good day. It's okay to be tired. It's good to be tired. You know you're going to sleep well that night. Because today was a good day. Today, we did something. There's the physical component built in. There's the social component built in. There's the self-growth component of getting through a long day built in. And then there's a great enjoyment of what we already have, which might be a, a meal at home, a meal out, or just the water that's in the tap water that is in your, your bottle. Whatever it is, it tastes good. And it reminds me, at least, that there's a lot of great things that I already have that are right here, right now. And that's where I'm going to stop on why I think hiking is such a powerful experience. If you are enjoying Epic Ordinary Lives and you would like to support it, I always mention two methods. Number one, write a review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. Reviews are a way of taking that extra few minutes, which I admit I have not always done, but I I do now because I know how valuable it is for something that you like listening to. It's free and it matters and it really just helps put credence to to the work that this requires. So so and again, thank you for the 12 people that have written reviews. That's amazing. Number 2, if you want to support this work financially, the easiest way to do that is to use the Amazon banner. You can Go to epicordinarylives.com and every episode has its own banner. If you click on the banner, it will take you to Amazon as you normally would go and you can purchase whatever you were going to purchase at no additional cost. It's just a way of getting an additional uh, small kickback to this podcast. I, I don't even know what the amount is actually, but it's a small percentage back. And, you know, one person did that recently, so thank you so much. That, that's the, the first um, bit of, of funds that have come to this work. So, again, thank you. I fully expect next week to be back with another conversation with an ordinary person who's living an epic life. Sometimes, again, in the midst of a move, a new job, all the, the different things I can control me sitting here and recording this, and so that's why I'm here. But next week, I'll be back with a conversation, and I hope you're having a great week wherever you are. And if you like hiking, 
If you don't like hiking, if you have something you would love to be on this podcast, a topic, a guest, if you would like to be on it, feel free to email me at Aaron at EpicOrdinaryLives.com. Again, A-A-R-O-N at EpicOrdinaryLives.com. Wherever you are, have a great day, a great week, and keep on keeping on. Bye-bye.